Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting edition of ZatCast. I'm Chad Janicek here with Patrick Lawler, and What's we have a special up? guest today. Thank you for the interruption. It's <laughs> 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 getting off to a great start here. So we have a special guest with us today, uh, Brittany, Brittany P. Huff. Uh, some what does the P stand as, for, Brittany? As I'm the curious. Fuff. The, the fuff. fuff, yes. The P stands okay. for Philip. There you go. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm okay. just kidding. No, the P stands for uh, my middle name. It's Paige. So. Paige, I didn't know that was your middle name. Yep, Learned that's something it. New every day. Okay. But thanks so Brittany, for having me, you guys. We're super excited. You've been bugging us for like two months to join us. So I know. We're glad to get I that know. monkey off the back. Me too. Um, so thanks. So, Brittany, why don't you just take a brief minute and kind of tell everyone who you are. Okay. Um, who am I? So, my name is Brittany Huff, and it's I like am the director. It's like an existential question, I know. I know. So, I am the director of operations for the city of Hudson Oaks. Um, I am a local government nerd. I love working for the city, and um, I am a UNT MPA grad. I have an undergraduate degree from Baylor University. And I started my um, city career at the city of Woodway as an intern in the city manager's office. Um, I enjoy long walks on the beach and margaritas. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you don't have to interrupt Patrick on the Hudson Oak stuff because he only has one more day before he joins me in gainful private sector employment. But that's correct. Yeah. Literally one more day. It is it is March fifth and March sixth is my last contract day with Hudson Oaks. So it is a so sad Brittany, day. Mm -hmm. You are a fellow UNT MPAer. I sure am. Uh, Patrick and I are both what two thousand eight grads. So you were <laughs> seems like so long ago. Yeah, so long. Ago. Um, yeah, I finished on time. Patrick took an extra semester. Um, he had to get another B. So he, oh, he just, oh <laughs> man, throw that out there. I was actually so, an interim Dave. city administrator at the time, and things were a little busy in my life, Chad. Yeah, well, you know, you I had a excuses. wedding. Remember that I forgot. I had a wedding that I forgot to invite you to. Yeah, we'll we'll never forget about that one. So so. <laughs> We, we all have MPAs, and I yes. think that we all probably have the same uh, appreciation and love for the UNT program, the North Texas program in particular. It's a great program, um, a very practical degree. Um, that's one thing I was struck by when you know, I was in the program is that it's, there's academics you know, involved, um, and you talk about theory and the history of public administration as a discipline, but it's also a very practical degree. It's teaching you how to run public organizations. Um, that being said, there's only so much that you can learn in a classroom setting, right? About your actual job, you know, to come. There's so much that you learn on the job that we thought it might be good to sort of try out a new uh, genre here of episodes where we bring people in and just talk to them about things that they wish they would have learned in grad school. So Brittany, what we want to talk to you about today is just some of those things you've been in career like professionally for what year and a half now uh yeah yeah here in hudson oaks in a year and a half i spent a year and a half in woodway so I sure awesome did. so you've been at hudson oaks for a year and a half now you're director of operations you're mm -hmm. like number two right yes okay what have you learned just some high level stuff and then we'll kind of pick apart and, and kind of go through maybe in some more detail but just generally like what have you learned on the year and a half in the year and a half on the job in a management role that you kind of wish maybe you would have 
<laughs> been told in, in your actual grad <laughs> program? Uh, well, I honestly think the, um, the blaring one here is definitely um, economic development and just the process of, um, of development in general. Uh, now, of course, I've, in the year and a half I've been here in Hudson Oaks, it's been like a crash course on economic development. And uh, I'm grateful to have this opportunity because it's really been, um, it's really been amazing and informative. And uh, I want to thank Patrick for that. But that she still works for me for one more day. Yes, yeah, since Patrick's since Patrick's still <laughs> here for till tomorrow. Uh, but with that said, then um, you know, just a course on. I think I think it would be um, feasible to devote an entire semester semester long course on the process of economic development. Now, I think that there are definitely things that cannot be learned in the classroom as far as soft skills, relationships, which are a big part of um, ED, but just a course to know, you know, um, the characters that are, that are in the play of economic development and um, sort of uh, where it starts and the different ways that it can start. Sometimes it starts with the city, sometimes, most of the times it doesn't though. And, um, uh, and also the role that the city plays. Like I said, I'm a big city nerd, so it's like, you know, um, I kind of look at it like uh, the city does it all. But that's so not true with economic development. They, it's just a we're a small a small piece in getting the deals made for sure and um, the correct deals. But uh, just to know, you know, the characters at play and the relationships. Um, Matt McCombs did a great uh, segment at the UMAN One Day Conference last year, but it was 40 minutes, and it was like I felt, you know, I felt like Matt did a great job, but it was just barely, barely a scratch on the surface of what is actually happening um, behind the scenes for for economic development for those for those deals. Um, I think that that would have been helpful. It also would have been helpful to maybe. Uh, in the MPA program then, um, as robust as it is, you're only there for two years. And so uh, to just know, to just have some resources, uh, which is a big part, I think, of, of getting an MPA is knowing the resources that you have and using those. Um, I think that that would have been helpful for um, economic development and learning so, economic development. So the question I would have, mm -hmm. talk about, you, you said this twice, but characters. Mm-hmm. Economic development is so much different because of many, the, the different characters that we deal with. Talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that from a standpoint of those soft skills and what's not taught in grad school when it comes to actually relating to the people that you're having to deal with. The equity mm -hmm. players, the developers, those type of things. Talk about that a little bit. So, yeah. And so um, you hear this all the time. I heard this all the time uh, in grad school and, the, and um, in the groups that I'm involved with called UMANT, that relationships are everything in life. And uh, the relationships that it takes in order to make those um, it, in order to make those deals work and in order to drive economic development for your city, it doesn't it's not just putting um it's not just putting a good store on a bad street and <laughs> and then everything else is going to improve around it. It it takes um, dealing with the realtors that are involved, the developers that are involved, the money and the equity behind the developers that are involved. All of these characters have needs and have an agenda for the deal and, and the city also, and then of course the community. And so it's a lot of moving parts. I think it's also the most private sector-esque um, department of a city and so that's why it seems so um, 
so different. Well, I mean, so once novel. you once you factor in, you know, police and fire, it's definitely the most private sectorist. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just have to throw that one out there. Just I had to throw just that out there that. because we have a, we have a special listener who I think will appreciate that. Um, yeah, true. So so you said one thing, Brittany, that I think is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And so in your MPA program, a lot of what you talk about is the legal framework that you operate in. So like mm-hmm. these are the different types of agreements that cities make. And, you know, here are the options that you have. You have PIDs and TERS and TIFs. Right. And, here are creative, you know, sales tax more rebates creative ways. And, yes. Mm-hmm. But what, what you said is that you can't just throw a store on a bad street and expect it to work. And I think that one thing that we don't really talk about enough is that if the market won't bear something, there's very little a city can do to make it viable. Mm-hmm. But we tend to just think that as long as I can throw money at something to land it, then it's going to be worth it. Then everything else is going to, you know, rise up also. Yeah. I, so I actually had that conversation with a, another local community this, this, uh, this last week, specifically on economic development chat, where we talked about that. They've got a couple of cities around them that are developing and doing deals and, and they're in a different economic situation, different road frontage, different traffic count, different demographic. And they want to keep up with those that are two cities that are doing deals. And the reality is, is that, you know, a lot of times the economic development is driven by what your neighbors are doing, not necessarily what you should be doing for your community. Right. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a big change. And so Brittany, when you're in a small city, talk about, how you get tossed into things and you're just kind of expected to run with it. And, you know, it's, it's so much different than a big city. You don't have a lot of support. You know, you're really expected to learn on your own kind of talk about that and talk about how that is, is fun, not fun. You know, what's it like for you? Uh, So for me personally, that's part of the best. That's one of the best things about um, working for a smaller city uh, I very much enjoy it just because I feel like that is the way that I learn best. Um, you know, you can tell me something and of course I'll retain some of it, but I think, uh, by doing it yourself and, um, independently, then you really, that's really how you're going to learn. And so I appreciate the, I appreciate the trust that, um, the people who I have worked for have had in me. And um, the trust in my uh, in my capability as um, as a professional, but also as a student of theirs, in a sense, um, just because you know you're forced to learn. And you're right; there's not a huge um, support system. So one thing I like about the smaller city is you came in, Brittany, as an assistant to the city manager, mm-hmm. which is a highly coveted position for someone coming out of an MPA program. Um, and it's not always available at the smaller cities. They just don't always have the staff, you know, resources to have that kind of position. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you get a position like that in a bigger city, like you may work on a couple, you may be thrown on a couple of projects, but that's going to occupy most of your time. But you had the opportunity to literally work on everything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, yes, definitely um, in my role here in Hudson Oaks, as, as the assistant too, I think I was definitely given immediately more responsibility than um, an assistant to in a city, you know, a population over 30,000. That is for sure. I think it's just because, um, you know, the resources that are available to each are a lot different, but uh, I appreciated, I appreciate more than anything um, that responsibility. Is it hard? Definitely. Um, and, but that's just something that, you know, 
we talk about things that aren't learned that uh, we didn't learn in grad school. One of those things, and I'm, again, I'm not sure it can be taught, is uh, decision making. Whatever the decision is, yes or no, or um, moving forward or going backward, there needs to be a decision made. And um, that is something that I have tried to uh, keep in mind, but that's also something that I have definitely learned in the, uh, it, by being thrown into the pool. You know, you have to make the decision to swim, otherwise you'll sink. So, yeah, We talked about that actually recently, or wrote about it. Um, in context of the leap year. Yeah. The leap year post, yeah. Right. So leap year is effectively a, it's like a life hack, right? You know, we <laughs> decided thousands of years ago how long a day was and it didn't exactly match with the rotations of the earth. So every now and then we have to add an extra day to the calendar and that's just what we do. So we made a decision. It wasn't a hundred percent right. If we could even be a hundred percent right on that question, but, uh, there's a way to work around it. And most of the decisions that we make, there are, there are some decisions that you make in city government that are literally life and death. Um, but a lot of the decisions that we make aren't. And, and truthfully, we tend to spend more time on decisions or the questions that are more trivial, which I always find really interesting. It's a process called bike shedding, um, where basically more just, it just describes a process where, uh, more of your attention is going to be spent on, things that matter less. Like for example, you, if, if you end up doing budget at all, whether it's uh, as a budget director or an analyst or even just at the department level, you're gonna be going through the process and at some point someone is going to ask you about the $300 uh, office supplies line and why did you spend, you spent $250 but you're asking for $300 and why do you need $300? And you're like, I have a $4 million budget and you're asking me about 50 bucks, you know, like, mm -hmm. but those are the things that are easier to understand. So we tend to spend more time on them. Uh, but, uh, and, and, and truthfully, we, we spend so much time thinking about them that we just don't make a decision and move forward. I mean, you, you see that, you see that a lot with city councils. I mean, when a manager's relating with their city council and they're doing presentations on items, you know, you, you see that where, you know, you go and ask for say 30 or $40,000 for an item and a council may spend an hour on that item, but you go in and you put like a $2 million capital improvement project on there and they're only going to spend like 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. They just, just kind of assume that someone else along the way knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. As the number gets and, and bigger, and there's the, just like this assumption that it's such a big deal. Like somebody must have done something on this already. And those bigger things are more complex and they don't have, I mean, everyone has, everyone knows how much a pin costs, right. Or staples. Right. Most people don't have the expertise unless you have an engineer on council to understand the intricacies of a, you know, a huge sewer project that's going to cost. Which I've always been blessed with in Hudson Oaks to have an engineer on city council. Uh, always real good for your QA, QC work. So, but you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're right, Chad, it's easier in those smaller areas for somebody to understand it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I don't think they're a bad city council member if they do kind of hyper-focus on those small issues. I think the brain just kind of works that way with a lot Absolutely. of city council members. And so as managers, we have to prepare differently for those items than we do for the larger items. And that's just, that takes time. It works that way, regardless of what level you're at. You have to actively fight against uh, trying to focus on the trivial things. On those small right. things, you just have to make a decision. And I'm sure that's something that you've kind of learned having, being forced into a role where you're making decisions uh, often, Brittany, mm -hmm. which a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, coming out of grad school, uh, they may not actually be in a role where they are, they are tasked with making decisions. So, um, you're in a, a, management role now, you know, a year out of grad school, 
what is it like uh, managing people who uh, are maybe older than you or have more expertise in their field? Uh, this is something that I struggled with, and I'm happy to talk about it after we kind of get your your input. But uh, you know, you're coming in kind of green, but you're you're managing people who have been doing something for 20 years. So, like, how do you approach that? And uh, you know, how do you how do you like, I guess yeah, how do you approach that situation? Well, I mean, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't difficult, right? Um, <laughs> it's like, who is this girl coming in here who you know? maybe worked for a city previously and um, just out of grad school and whatever. But uh, for me, then I try and approach it as, again, I don't, I openly say, I don't know everything. Okay. And um, so for me, then uh, I try and build That's one thing you'll never hear Patrick say. It, I'm, oh, <laughs> man. Or... <laughs> I, have I, I've done the, I don't know if I've heard it come out of your mouth either, Chad. Just going to point that out. Just, That's true. Thank you, Brittany. So you. you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out, out there also. But um, yeah, be, I would be lying if I said it, it wasn't difficult, right? The office politics, you spend eight hours with at least eight hours a day, um, five days a week with these people. And so for me, then um, I try to, you know, I try to have uh, um, professional relationships that involve respect and kindness. Like at the base, then. If we can be respectful, we can be kind. For me, I try, I definitely try and nurture um, those relationships because I have something to learn from these people, right? Okay, so um, technically in our organizational chart, I am over water, our water services and utility building. But um, Ricky, our water operator is like the rain man. He is awesome. I um, don't question him as far as water operations. What, and Do you throw he, toothpicks on the ground? No. What if I told you I've never actually seen the movie Rain Man? <laughs> I know the premises, though. So, so um, I, I approach it as I don't know everything, and there is something here uh, to be learned. I'm also, um, I also am not like uh, hammered down, like you know, forceful, this is, it, this has to change immediately. Um, I kind of have a softer approach to that. And um, the office politics part and for, for myself and for all young um, managers who uh, are up and coming and might shine a little brighter than the stars that are um, currently there. I think that it's just, uh, it's something that I don't have a perfect way to handle it. I will tell you it's been uh, it's been difficult, but it is, it is always so rewarding when um, you can uh, strike a balance, but also find find the the way that it works um, for you with with those um, those employees that you have. Um, so I'm trying to think I, of I like advice. Myself. I'm trying to think of like advice, but my <laughs> advice would be that <laughs> my advice is that um, I don't think like a hard nosed approach works I think that one either party just gets pissed off and then um there is like sort of a lack of communication so um I don't know I think that I think that's being open about um this is a very millennial thing to say but being open about <laughs> feelings <laughs> and like how this so um you're operating in this way this is how this you know how I am perceiving it this is my truth Chad um but this is how <laughs> This is how and, I am, am perceiving it. And, you had to go um, there, huh? 
And yes, and so, and this is the issue, but also I say that because I want to know how, how I am making them feel and then how we can move forward, you know, to benefit, to both, to benefit each of us and also the organization because. That's awesome. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, your crunchy millennial moment brought to you by <laughs> Brittany P. Huff. Brittany Fuff. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I found myself about two years out of grad school um, as the director of a transportation public works department knowing absolutely zero about street maintenance, drainage, you know, traffic, anything. Um, so one thing that I found that helped me because I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of the like nerd with the calculator in the back room, actually probably like the nerd with the Excel spreadsheet in the back room. And, you know, I walking into this street department meeting with a bunch of guys who have been like out in the field, you know, laying asphalt. Um, so how are they going to, Trust me, like how, how like they, they don't know how to read me. So one thing that helped me was to actually get out in the field with them, like to go out there and ride on a uh, lay down machine mm-hmm. um, and just kind of get that experience because that that builds trust between you and the people that you're managing. And it lets them know that you actually care and you're trying to learn what they go through and what they're doing and that you're going to you're going to be there to give them the resources that they need. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that's what I was going to add also is I think that it takes time to build um, a relationship of trust. And in your actions that might not be um, deliberate, there's also you have to there's a proving yourself on each for each party, Um, proving that I proving that they can trust me and I can trust them. It's kind of like when you're interviewing for a job. So you you interview for a job, the employers are interviewing you, but you're also interviewing them. Right. It's a two way street. Because right. if you don't like the organization that you're interviewing for, they may love you. But if you don't, if you're not going to fit with them, then you know it has to work both ways. And the same is true right. when you come into an organization as a young professional uh, and, and trying to build those relationships. Yeah, and I definitely echo what you said about um, like getting out and seeing uh, their quote unquote office. Like uh, sometimes I, um, Ricky and I have weekly meetings, and sometimes I go to the shop down there just to. Just for a change of scenery, but also just to, you know, go down there, see what's up, have a personal conversation after we're done talking about business. Because Ricky, Ricky, you know, if we have a leak, then he calls me and it's like, hey, this one, this one is different in this way. You want to come down and see it? Sure. I keep tennis shoes in my office so that I can go out and visit them in the field when they're um, working a project like that. So Cool. Well, Brittany, we really appreciate your your sort of insights and, you know, what you have to kind of convey to people that are maybe a couple years behind you and, and moving into the field. But before we let you go, mm-hmm. since we since we sort of pioneered one one new segment, I want to do another new segment with you. Okay. Okay. This new segment is called I Literally Can't Even. <laughs> because this is what Brittany does to everybody in the office. Okay. <laughs> I literally can't even with you is what I hear. Okay, I so, do it a lot to Patrick, that's for sure. Yeah. That's correct. So I've written down a handful of things that I literally can't even. And I don't think that Patrick took the time to do it, but maybe you did too, Brittany. So I uh, thought I have maybe one, we could... I have one blaring one, but... Okay. Yeah. So let's let's do kind of a lightning round. Okay. Oh, okay. So wait, wait, wait. just state the thing that you can't even, and then we'll have like a brief venting about it, and then we'll move on to the next one. Oh God. Okay. Okay. I'm really excited about this one because, um, my, I don't know if you can say this, but like my spirit animal is probably 
Larry David. Oh, man. <laughs> so <laughs> I have lots of rules about society that I keep in my head. And then when other people don't abide by them, it's just very difficult for me. So I'm excited to get some of these things out there. Okay, so real quick, my first one is people who take video in portrait mode. What are you You have doing? to say it correctly. I literally, I literally can't, can't even. even. I literally can't even with the people shooting video in portrait mode on their phones. Guys, your TV is landscape mode for a reason because you can get more context of the scene than you can in portrait mode. Please don't shoot. I wish that they would just turn off portrait mode options for video. It's just ridiculous. So I literally can't even with that. Please don't do that. Interesting. <laughs> your turn, Brittany. Well, I have a comment about that, though. Well, go for it. That's the way your phone is shaped. Uh-huh. Yeah. Your point? <laughs> so so for, how for, are you not supposed to take your Snapchat like that? Well, that's, that's part of the problem is that, like, Snapchat and Instagram are geared towards – well, Instagram is a square, right? I don't use Instagram, so I don't know. Don't they okay. don't they post things in squares or they, they post it in full portrait mode? Uh, they actually have a new feature where you can post it in portrait. Okay. So I can live with those because they're built for their specific app. But like taking actual video that like in your, you know, camera app that mm -hmm. your Snapchat's ephemeral, right? It's like that stuff doesn't stay forever. Mm -hmm. It kind of goes away. Is that right? I, you're talking about all these these social media platforms. <laughs> yes, yeah, Snapchat okay, is the one where you send somebody a message and it goes away. Okay, yeah. so like that's fine. But if you're taking video for posterity, like of your kids or of some event that you find interesting, that you would normally in the old days they've had a camcorder. Like, can mm -hmm. you imagine someone taking a camcorder and holding it sideways? It makes no sense. This is the weird way that Chad's brain works. <laughs> I was pointing that out. <laughs> okay, so that's what I that's one thing I literally can't even about. Okay, are you ready for my can't I literally can't even? Yes. Chad, I feel like you're going to appreciate this also. Let's hear it. I literally can't even when people do not zipper merge. Thank you. That is the way <laughs> no. the road is made. That is the way the road is made. Admit. Okay. Just So so we have already agreed that, that this is, is the, the road's most truth. efficient way to drive. We have We've talked about the zipper merge on this podcast so many times. Oh, you have? Oh. Just once. We, we have, yes. Okay. Once, maybe. W way to show maybe us twice. that you're not listening here. <laughs> I know. Yes. That's what I was like. Oh, I won't say that. <laughs> so, but but seriously, it, it, I will agree 100% that it's the most efficient engineering method for merging traffic. No doubt. That's not the problem with the zipper merge. It's when you try to tell people that they have to zipper merge. That's an American Okay, how about this? I literally can't even with the people who get emotionally who? upset when you tell them to zipper merge. <laughs> is that better? <laughs> okay, so so mine is really similar to that. Okay. So I'm gonna, Brittany, I'm gonna I'm gonna add on to yours a little bit. I literally can't even with people who don't accelerate when getting on the freeway. Yeah. Yes. Like I would. Okay, that that's like a Dallas thing. One. Houston, I think you'll die if you don't accelerate trying to get on the freeway. It's called an but acceleration ramp. But in Dallas, people lane. slow down. Yeah, it's crazy. Or it's like, called oh, acceleration I think I'll, ramp. I'll, I'll slow down and try to get in. Like you have to go highway speed. <laughs> it's just not safe. Correct. <laughs> okay, I literally cannot even with the gas station pumps that don't ask you if you want a receipt until after you've pumped. Because then you have to wait for the like the credit card processing. So you're sitting there, and especially if it's cold, 
like freezing your butt off and it's just trying to process the credit card payment. And then it asks you if you want a receipt, which I don't know about y'all, but I always say no. So like if, when they asked beforehand, yeah, I'm confused about, uh, -huh. so it, it, when you're going through the whole process, cause you have to like enter your zip code and tell if it's credit card. It's like, you already have these things that you're, you're being asked. So just real quick ask, do you want a receipt? Yes or no. You say no, you say yes. The processing time to do that is almost, it's trivial, right? It's, it takes no time. So you just push an extra button then, then you put the pump in, you pump your gas. Then when you're done pumping, you can just put the gas pump up and leave. You don't have to sit there and wait for the, pro the credit card processing and then push yet another button. I just can't even with that. <laughs> so uh, I'm just I'm just gonna say for the for the 85% of normal people in this world, Chad. I'm so uh, yeah. Such a light concern to the world. I I was gonna say I was works. yeah I was gonna say I really live my life unbothered because <laughs> this conversation. <laughs> is nice. well, are you saying that this is a first world problem? <laughs> Come on, this is a this is a legitimate yes. gripe. <laughs> Y'all have any more? Because I got one more. Brittany, you got one. I, really I got one. I've got one more okay, as well. Good. Okay, go ahead, Patrick. Okay. I literally can't even with people who have an allergy to something. And when you are doing something with a kid's sport, have an expectation that you are going to take care of their child's allergy issue. Like you're coaching, you're coaching baseball and you're expecting you're coaching and you've got a snack schedule. And this is like, you put Cheez-Its in everybody's bag on your snack date. And you have the one kid with a gluten allergy that instead of the parent just being like, hey, don't eat the Cheez-Its, eat the gummy bears, right? You're the like parent's like, I have that. an expectation that you're going to put carrots in my kid's bag. You're, you're really pushing it here, uh, I think. I'm, pu I'm pushing it. And, and look, I, I have a family member with a gluten acceptable allergy. conversation topics. But yes, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying I literally can't even. So my kids can't even take any outside food into their school. Um for this reason, I, well, I, don't, peanut, I don't think that well, anyone peanut butters, it's not even peanut. No, I mean, peanut butter makes sense. You can't take anything. Well, for, I mean, how many times did you take a peanut butter sandwich to school growing up? Oh, I mean, all the time. Like it was never, I, I don't know what's happened that yeah. peanut allergies have become such a, a prominent issue. But, but I, I, I did have that friend. Cause you know, I, I grew up in kind of a, uh, well, my family was made up of offensive linemen. We were larger people and I, I did grow up in a, an environment where I had friends whose parents were like, you know, crazy food people and they didn't have any snacks in their house. And, and those friends would like, give me a couple bucks to bring them a pack of Oreos to school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was the dealer of the junk food. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, so, oh, I have another one. What, have what another can you literally not even do, Brittany? What do you got I literally can't even with people who own big dogs in small apartments. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. So, I literally can't. So we just got also and to have that and to have that small apartment on the third floor of an apartment complex. I uh, can't. And then even. your poor big dog has to walk up three flights of stairs. Yeah, I just feel like I don't want to say anything divisive, but <laughs> I feel like they're gross. So, <laughs> so we just adopted a dog, a very large dog, from someone who lived in an another apartment. one. No, this is our fifth dog, the same one. And um, this dog has knee problems. And I don't think it's because of the apartment. It's probably genetic. But I can't imagine. I mean, this dog is like 
twenty pounds. He's huge. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, being in a small apartment with a dog that big would be difficult. It's like a person. One hundred and twenty pounds is like another person. Yeah, he's he's massive. So I I don't know. I just can we can I we talk about the fact that Chad even. has five dogs? Sure. One of them is from I just, I just uh, one of them is from a Caribbean island. So I just want to I just want to point out that you you legally could not live inside the city limits of Hudson Oaks because we have a four dog restriction. That's an interesting topic. I think we should yes. talk about that in the future. In the future, animal control ordinances because that is every city manager's favorite topic. How dare you restrict my ability to? <laughs> I thought this was America. <laughs> oh my! Absolutely. Well, Brittany, I want to thank you for coming on and hanging out with us. Even as your boss for one more day, you didn't have to do it. And so thank you for coming, hanging, talking, giving us that perspective. Uh, And want to thank our listeners for hanging out with us. We got a couple new topics that came in today, and hopefully we'll be able to continue that with some other guests in the future. So thanks, guys. Have a great day, and and thanks for tuning in to ZatCast. Thanks, Brittany. Thanks for having me. Thank you.